Welcome to the Harmony Christian Church Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by today's message from Pastor Josh Shoemaker. Praise God. We have been on a series these past few weeks uh, on spiritual warfare. Uh, Pastor Ron's been carrying most of the weight with that. He's preached uh, two different times on it, and I've preached once, and we're going to do a little bit more this morning on spiritual warfare. Such an important, important topic for us to be talking about. Um, you know, we, we've talked... We've talked in the past uh, couple weeks how a lot of times spiritual warfare can be kind of this almost mystical thing or this seemingly difficult thing to comprehend. And so a lot of times we just dismiss it or we just don't pay attention to it. Um, and because of that, we are walking defeated in a lot of areas in our life that we could have victory over if we were just engaged uh, in, this, in this area of spiritual warfare. And so that's why we've been talking about it. We've just felt this urgency from the Lord, uh, this word from the Lord to begin talking about spiritual warfare. I'm not sure how long the series is going to last. It'll last as long, I guess, as we have knowledge on spiritual warfare to give you. So um, we're, we're just, um, going to give, we're just going to do the best we can here to, to uh, walk in spiritual warfare and, and to teach it. Um, is that water down there? Can I have that back? This morning, um, before I get into the main part of our message, I kind of have a little bit of a mini message for you. All right. So you're going to get a mini message and a, and a real message. Is that all right? I was preparing this week and, and thinking about what to talk about. And I felt like the Lord wanted me to reemphasize the specific word, the specific message uh, or point, I guess I should say that, um, that I preached on and pastor Ron has preached on a little bit, um, about our success in spiritual warfare. <clears throat> our success in spiritual warfare is directly connected to our union with Jesus. It's directly connected to our union with Jesus. There are people who try to do spiritual warfare outside of relationship with the father outside of the father's authority. And let me tell you, those people who try to do spiritual warfare outside of union with the father fail. They fail because it doesn't work because it's not through his, through our authority that we can have, that we can engage in spiritual warfare. It's through the father's authority. Amen. Let me show you what I mean real quick. I'm just going to take 10 minutes to, or less to show you this in John 14. So John chapter 14, starting in verse 10, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, do you not believe that I am in the father and the father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the father and the father is in me or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. And then it goes on and it says this, says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and greater works than these he will do because I go to my father and whatever you ask in my name that I will do that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Greater works comes through faith, yes, but not the typical way we tend to view faith. 
So here's how we typically view faith sometimes. We, we, we we're praying for a situation, and we have this idea that faith is, is believing God with no doubt, right? So you're, 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 you're believing God, and you're saying, God, I believe you can do this. I believe you can do this. And we're doing our very best to not have this one little thought enter into our minds that says, I don't think this can happen, right? And here's what we think happens. We think that we're believing, we're believing, but that we let this little thought creep into our mind, and all of a sudden, God is like, nope, never mind, right? Like, like God is, is this, like, movie star diva that won't perform because you didn't get the, the, his water right at 32 degrees, right? And because you didn't get his, his atmosphere and everything perfect, he's not going to perform, but that's not what faith is. Faith is not mentally ascending above doubt, right? It's not striving so hard not to doubt. And because you didn't doubt, then all of a sudden the miracle takes place or the demon gets cast out or whatever it may be, that it's not mentally a striving above doubt. That faith, that that, that, that is not how God works and that is not how faith works. Let's look here again at this, this verse, verse 10. Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work. The Father who dwells in me does the work. Whose authority did Jesus use to do the works? The Father's. Who actually does, does the works? What does it say? says, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. The Father who dwells in me does the works. So who does the works? The Father through Jesus, right? How did Jesus do this? How does Jesus operate in doing the works? I am in the Father, and the Father is in me through union. In fact, verse 11 says, believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. So Jesus is saying that the works are actually a testimony that there is a mutual indwelling. The works are the proof that there is union between the Father and the Son. The focus in the scripture isn't the works, it's the union. The works were the byproduct of the union. Then he goes on, and it gets real fun, right? So Jesus does all of these works through union, but then he goes on and he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father, and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So listen to this. What if greater works doesn't, what if greater works happens because of faith? Let me, let me just read it here. What if greater works happens not as a result of a faith that has mentally ascended above doubt, but a faith that says he is in me and I am in him. And if he is in me, then anything is possible. Did you catch that? What if faith is not mentally striving above doubt? What if it's not faith that the works will happen? 
What if our faith is that is, is, is in our union with him, that I am in so, so in union with him and he is in union with me, that if he is in me, then anything is possible. Does that make sense? I'm not, I feel like I'm not explaining it very well. I'm sorry about that. But what happens if faith is not above doubt, but faith is just believing God is in me. And because he is in me, anything is possible. Anything is possible. It reminds me of the verse we've been looking at in Ephesians chapter 6, right? It, uh, the very first part of Ephesians chapter 6, um, which says something that I can't remember right now. It says, says uh, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That our strength is in the Lord and in the power of his might. Amen. So I'll say it one more time. Your success in spiritual warfare is directly connected to your union with Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. All right. That was the mini message. You ready for the real thing now? Here we go. Let's open our Bibles now to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16, we're going to start in verse 17. Jesus is with his disciples and he's asked them, who, what are people talking about? What are they saying? Who are they saying that I am? And they said, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're a disciple or a prophet. And then he asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter answers that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then verse 17, Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he commanded his disciples that they should not tell anyone that he would, Jesus was the Christ. Let's skip down now um, to verse 21. I guess we're on verse 21 anyways. From time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised on the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he, Jesus, turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. Bad day, right? <laughs> Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. So Jesus, or so Peter is having this incredible moment with Jesus, right? This, this win moment where Jesus asks, who do you say that I am? And he says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus looks back at him and says that that is correct, that the father in heaven has revealed this to you. And then he goes on and he says, now I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven, that the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Yes. Right. 
Peter's on a high, I'm assuming, in this moment. Like, yeah, that's right, John. Did you hear what Jesus just said about me, right? I'm the rock of the church, right? The church is built on this. And then so John, Peter is feeling this high, and then a few minutes later, he's, Jesus is talking to him again, and he says, get behind me, Satan. How the tables have turned, right? <laughs> the tables have turned. One minute you're being praised. The next minute you hear Jesus tell you, look at you and say, get behind me, Satan. Was Peter, here's the question, was Peter possessed with the devil in that moment? I don't believe so. Was Peter possessed with a demon in that moment? I don't believe so. I believe Peter was possessed with the devil's way of thinking. That Peter didn't have a demon living on the inside of him, so Jesus had to look at him and say, get behind me, saying, I think the problem was not that he was possessed, but that he was thinking demonically. He was thinking not like the kingdom, but he was thinking like the, like the, like the kingdom of darkness, right? He was thinking demonically. And so here's, here's what I want to talk about with you this morning, that not all spiritual warfare is as overt as some of the ones we read about in scripture where Jesus casts out a demons or he, he tells the man in the gatherings, the, the, the legion of demons cast out and the pigs, they go into the pigs and the pigs run off. Like that's all like just crazy wild stuff. I would say, venture to say that most of spiritual warfare doesn't look like that. It can, and sometimes it does. I can tell you some stories where I've seen crazy things happen and demons being cast out of people and all of those things. But I would venture to say that most of the time here in Leisure, Indiana, most of the time it's not as overt. That spiritual warfare doesn't look like that. Most of the time, a lot of the spiritual warfare we're dealing with is demonic thinking. Demonic thinking. And that's what happened here with Peter. Peter wasn't possessed by Satan. He was just thinking like Satan. And so God had to look at him. Jesus had to look at him and say, get behind me, say. And then what does he go on to say? You are not mindful of the things of God, right? But you are mindful of the things of the enemy. And so a lot of our spiritual warfare, and what I want to talk about you today is the warfare, the spiritual warfare that actually takes place, not on the battleground and, and when we're facing wrestling demons out of people or out of whatever, but the battleground of our mind, the battleground of the strongholds in our mind. Amen. <clears throat> Let's look now at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, starting in verse 3. I'm going to read out of the New American Standard Bible. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. A lot of your Bibles probably say strongholds there. We are destroying, destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. First thing I want you to notice here is the very beginning. It says, we do not war according to the flesh, that the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They're not carnal, but they're, divine, they're divinely powerful. Notice that all of those things are talking about a spiritual battle. There is a spiritual battle that we, that we wage war against. But here's the awesome part. It's rigged. It's rigged. 
because our weapons are not of the flesh, but it says they're divinely powerful. We talked about this a lot in previous weeks, that all authority, how much authority? All authority has been given to him. And then he tells us to go and to use that authority. So yes, we are in a spiritual battle, but the battle is rigged, right? All authority has been given to him. That means if he has all authority, how much authority does the devil have? None, right? So that tells us that the only way the devil can win against us is if he is able to deceive us out of the revelation of the power that we carry. Because if, we, if he can convince us that we are powerless, then he can gain a foothold in our life. But when we realize that greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world, then he does not stand a chance against us. So there is a spiritual battle raging. But you do not need to be afraid or nervous or worried about it because you have the power of Christ living on the inside of you. The same power that raised Christ from the dead quickens your mortal bodies. Amen. So yes, we are in a physical or not in a physical battle. We are in a spiritual battle, but the battle is rigged because our weapons are divinely powerful. But then it goes on and it tells us what those divinely powerful weapons do. They're for the destruction of fortresses or again of strongholds. They're for the destruction of fortresses. What is a fortress? Pastor Ron talked a little bit about this in the past couple weeks. <coughs> a fortress or a stronghold. He's not talking about an outside fortress. He's talking about fortresses built on the inside. These fortresses, you, you know you have a stronghold. You know you have a fortress because what they are is they're lies that take root on the inside of us that we defend. Let me say it again. They're, a fortress is a lie that we have taken as truth on the inside of us, and we put guardrails around that lie to protect it. Let me give you some examples, some, ex, some extreme examples. Racism is a fortress. It's a stronghold. Say somebody has a bad experience with a person of a different race. Well, they've taken that experience, or maybe it's not even an experience they had. Maybe it's, a, it's an ideology that they were raised with. And all of a sudden, they've built this ideology around this lie that everybody of this race is bad, or, or they're, they're corrupt, or whatever. And they've built this fortress that they believe with everything inside of them is true. And then they defend that truth to the death. Racism is a fortress. It's a stronghold. What are some other fortresses? Here's another example. Some people, and you may know some people like this, they develop this idea because maybe they've been hurt by somebody in the past. They develop this idea that every person is trying to take advantage of them. And so what do they do? They don't trust anybody anymore. They don't trust anybody anymore. And because of that, because they don't trust anybody, they don't have any meaningful relationships because they've built this fortress around their heart, right? And they, what relationships they do have, they end up sabotaging 
because they've built this fortress that, that they can't trust anybody. So the second they, they uh, hear a comment from somebody that sounded a little off, all of a sudden their, their fortress kicks in. They build these, these things around and they, they begin making up things that this person is trying to do to them. And so they sabotage the relationships because they built this fortress of distrust for other people. It's a fortress, right? It's, it's a lie. It's a lie that you have taken as truth and you do everything you can to protect it. Another fortress, that, another, another example could be uh, somebody who, you know, they, they believe that because the guy opened the door for them, that, oh, they, I'm uncomfortable because he was flirting with me. No, no he was just being a gentleman, right? <laughs> but, but we've built these fortresses, these lies around these things. And because of that, it shapes our thinking. It shapes our thoughts. And we begin protecting the lie that, um, that whatever it is inside of us, this lie is the truth. So we have these fortresses. But now here's the thing. Fortresses are built. The building blocks of fortresses are these three things. Speculation, lofty, th lofty things, and thoughts. That our fortresses, our strongholds, are built of speculations, lofty things, and thoughts. Are you all with me this morning? You're all awfully quiet. Can I get like a woot woot real quick? There we go. Do maybe uh, some jumping jacks, anybody? No? There we go. Thanks, Ty. I like that. I don't know if that was jumping jacks or praise break. Whatever. It works either way. So it's, it's built of three things. Speculations, lofty things, and thoughts. So let's start with speculations. What is a speculation? What is a speculation? Let me give you this example. Have you ever been in a situation? I'll, I'll, let, let, me just, let me just say it this way. Wives, have you ever been in a situation where your husband is late coming home from work. He's not home at his usual time. You've tried calling him and he doesn't answer his phone. What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Is it, is it, oh, I bet he stopped at the store to buy me some flowers <laughs> and he left his phone in the car, right? Or, or no, I bet his boss pulled him aside at the last minute. He's in a meeting with his boss and his boss has given him this huge promotion. We're going to get that boat we've been wanting, right? No, no. What's, what's your first thought? He's dead. <laughs> He's in a ditch somewhere all by himself. He's dead. You begin planning the funeral, right? You're ready to call up the relatives. You know, you're, you're thinking, what's my future going to look like now? You know, you, you know it's, it's immediately the most negative, the worst possible case scenario, right? That's a speculation. It's, it's this idea, it's, it's, it's this idea, this fan, the, the word actually there for speculation can also be fantasies or false reasoning. Speculations are always negative and they always jump to the worst possible outcome. So it's like this, they, this person didn't answer my text message, which anybody who's text me has experienced that before. <laughs> Sorry, by the way, if I haven't answered your text message, but this person hasn't answered my text message and it's been, it's been an hour. Okay. Maybe they're busy. It's been two hours. 
okay, uh, you know, maybe they're, you know, they, they just haven't looked at their phone. It's been three hours. Okay, they're, they're just ignoring me now. Four hours goes by, you know, and by the end of the day, you're just ticked off and you're thinking through all of these things that, oh, did I say something that made him mad? So you go through this, this whole emotional process at first where you're thinking through of like all the things maybe you did to make them upset. And then you go through this next phase of the process where, no, you know what? I didn't do anything wrong. And then you start getting mad at them. And then you have this whole argument inside your head with this other person, which of course you always win, right? This whole argument inside your head and, and you're just ticked off and you're mad and you're ready to just throw them out as a friend. And then, then the next morning you get a text message, Hey, I'm so sorry. I lost my phone. I just saw that you text me and you're like, Oh my, my bad. <laughs> right? Speculation. You're building fantasies in your head. It's false reasoning that we always jump to the worst possible outcome. Speculations will destroy relationships by distorting the motive of someone, a motive that they never had. I've seen this happen a thousand times, and I'm sure you have too, that somebody gets offended at somebody at one of their friends or somebody else. They get offended because they heard one thing. When the person meant something completely different, they took it one way and they build this entire fantasy out of a wrong motivation. And all of a sudden, they're not talking to you anymore. All of a sudden, they're spreading rumors about you, about false things that aren't even true. I've, I've, we've even had, this is kind of funny, We've, I've had uh, this happen a while ago where I had this very vague conversations with, with, this, with this person. Don't worry, they're not here. They're not in the room. Nobody knows them. But I had this vague conversation with this person, barely even talked to him, barely even knew him. It's very friendly, I thought, conversation. The next thing I know, my kids come home. Their kids go to the same school. And, uh, and the, our kids go, yeah, um, this, th our friend said that their parents really don't like you guys. They're really, I mean, they're really angry at you. I'm like, I mean, I thought it was a good conversation, you know? And, and they've taken something, some kind of offense, right? And they've built this case. They've built this entire fantasy around a motivation that wasn't even there. It's speculations. It's demonic thinking. And because of it, we build those fortresses around a lie that is not true that we'll do anything to protect. I think, I think it was John Wayne who said this. If not, I'm going to just say it was. He said, I've been through a lot of terrible things in my life, most of which never happened. How many of you can relate to that? Been through a lot of terrible things in my life, most of which never even happened. It's speculations, false imaginations, or, or another way to put it is vain imaginations is another way the Bible puts it. Fantasies that aren't even true. Another thing that fortresses are built with is lofty things. What is a lofty thing? A lofty thing is a thing that we allow to become bigger than God. A lofty thing produces anxiety. Anxiety produces fear. And fear is just faith in the wrong thing. Let me say that line again so you don't miss it. Fear is faith in the wrong thing. 
a lofty thing is when we have more faith that whatever it is that we're facing is more capable of taking us out than God is of protecting us and getting us through it. It's things that we make bigger than God. So what are some examples? The rent's due tomorrow. And I've got five shiny dollars in my wallet. And all of a sudden we begin making the rent bigger than the ability of the father to provide for us. And all of a sudden we're creating vain imaginations and we're picturing ourselves living with Doug at Harmony House <laughs> because the rent has become a lofty thing. What's another lofty thing? The car breaks down and I don't have the money to fix it. And I don't have a way to get to work. Or more recently for Amber and I, our refrigerator breaks down. And now we're walking back and forth to the church to get yogurt every morning for our kids for breakfast. <laughs> but our car breaks down. I don't know how I'm going to fix this. And, and, it's, and yeah, it, obviously those situations are tough and there are things that you have to work through. But when we allow those things to get bigger than our, the ability of our Father to provide, all of a sudden it creates this anxiety on the inside of us. And we've gone from having faith in God to provide to having more faith in the ability of the enemy to attack us than we do for our Father to protect us. And it becomes a lofty thing. And it creates anxiety and it creates fear on the inside of us. Another lofty thing, your kids are running away from God. They've been rebelling against God and they're doing their own thing. It's easy to allow that to become a lofty thing. It's easy for that to become a thought bigger than God, that God is not able to bring them back to repentance and to bring them back into union. And you begin to worry and have anxiety and panic attacks. And you're up in the middle of the night wondering what's going to happen with your kid and what's going to go on and all of those things. And believe me, it's a big deal, obviously, when, when the kids are rebelling and doing different things. But when you allow them to become a lofty thing, what's happening is you're allowing that thing to become bigger than God's ability to save them. And when you put God above those things, there's a peace that surpasses understanding. And that even though it may be difficult in this moment, I believe God is more than able to bring them back into fellowship with him. And a peace that surpasses understanding will quicken your heart. But when we allow those things to become lofty, that's when anxiety and panic take over and fear or faith becomes fear. And we revel in that. Let me say this. God was big enough to save you, right? <laughs> and I know some of you. <laughs> so if God's big enough to save you, then he's big enough to save your kids. Amen. So lofty things. The last one, here's the one I'll end on, our thoughts, our, our thoughts. If you remember back 
to our first verse there with, in Matthew, when uh, Jesus looks at Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan, right? He says, get behind me, Satan. You are more mindful of the things of, however it said, you're mindful, you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men is what he says. Here's the deal. Demons don't often appear in front of you and say, hey, listen, I'm a demon and I'm here to oppress you. Right? They're a little bit more convert than that. Why, why don't they do that? Again, we've already talked about it because they know that you're more powerful than them. Right? I love the, the analogy Pastor Ron used the other day. I forget uh, who, who was it that I think it was Smith Wigglesworth, right? Where he woke up one morning or one evening, one evening, and he saw Satan right in front of him, physically, saw him with his own eyes, the devil right in front of him. He looks at him and goes, oh, it's just you, and rolls back over and goes to sleep, right? <laughs> he realizes he has no authority. So, of course, the devil, the, the devil is not going to come stand in front of you and say, hey, I'm here to oppress you because he wouldn't be very successful, right? He is much more convert than that. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that Satan comes as an angel of light. Or more often, he comes as you. More often, he comes impersonating you. Let me say this. Your thoughts are not always your thoughts. Your thoughts are not always your thoughts. And you're going, Josh, prove it. All right. So Jesus looks at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. When he rebukes the thought, he doesn't rebuke Peter, right? He rebukes Satan. That it was Peter's voice, but it was Satan's thought. It was Peter's voice, but it was Satan's thought. So not all your thoughts are your thoughts. That many times how the enemy gets us, his, one of his greatest strategies is to come to us as us. And to make us believe that we are going crazy, right? How many of you have ever had a thought come into your mind that was so crazy that you thought, I must be going mentally insane right now, right? That I must be going crazy right now. Let me, let me say this. Suicidal thoughts are the enemy. They're straight from the devil. They are not a per it is not natural for a person. The, one of the strongest instincts for a human being is self-preservation, right? In the whole animal kingdom. We've been uh, dealing with chipmunks lately in our yard. And I got a little trap that I catch them with. I won't tell you what I do with them once I catch them. But, <laughs> but I, we got a little trap. Let me tell you, when they get in that trap, chipmunks are these cute right? Little animals, Alvin, they sing songs, you know, they're adorable. They're, they, they don't, they're not real destructive to humans. They're more destructive to your property, right? But you get them trapped in a cage, they will eat your face off, right? <laughs> that even chipmunks have built in them 
this, this, this uh, natural thing of self-preservation. Every human has this natural thing of self-preservation. So it doesn't make sense for a person to kill themselves. Or is it the enemy coming into their minds? Is it the enemy's thought coming in their voice? Not all your thoughts are your thoughts. That a lot of times the enemy deceives you by coming to you as you. You know, I, 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 to drive this point home even more, I, I'm not going to ask for hands, but how many of you have ever had the thought as you're driving down there and you're a completely happy, normal person, but you just had this thought, man, what would happen if I just veered off into this truck right now? And then you're like, what is that? Right? What is that? That's not me. And you begin thinking, I'm going crazy. But listen, your thoughts aren't always your thoughts. The enemy sometimes comes to you as you. So what I want to tell you today is question your thoughts. Question your thoughts. That not every thought is your own. And a lot of times we are defeated that from the enemy because we engage in war with the wrong man. We engage in war with ourselves thinking we're crazy, right? But the Bible tells us, I'm sorry, we engage in war with the wrong man, but if we were to engage instead, realize that this thought is not mine and we rebuke the devil, then he will flee from us, amen? I'm gonna end with, with the, the, this year, the end of 2 Corinthians. It says to take every thought captive. And make it obedient to Christ. So how do we overcome these strongholds? How do we overcome these fortresses? Made up of speculations, lofty things, and thoughts. We take every thought through the filter of Jesus. Every thought we have is through the filter of Jesus. We ask ourselves, is this true in light of the gospel? Is this true in light of the gospel? John 8, 31 and 32 says, If you abide in my word, and you are my then you are my disciples indeed. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. What is, what is a fortress made of? A fortress is made of a lie that we have protected. So how do we get free from strongholds? We know the truth. And the truth sets us free. That, that word for truth in the Greek, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. I didn't even write it down because I've messed it up every single time. But the word in Greek there for truth at its core is the word reality. That you will know reality. The reality and the reality will make you free. Here's the reality. You are the righteousness of God. In Christ Jesus. And you have the mind of Christ. The Bible tells us that when we become saved and we follow Jesus and we are in union with him. The Bible says that we share the mind of Christ. So we have the mind of Christ. The truth is all things work for the good of those who are in Christ Jesus. Her, hear a pastor say it like this. If all things work for good for those that are in Christ Jesus, then if it's not good, it's not the end. 
If it's not good in the moment, then it's not the end. Because the Bible promises that for those that are in Christ Jesus, all things work for good. So if it's not good, it's not the end. Keep moving. Amen. The truth is that even death itself is swallowed up in victory. The Bible says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? How do we defeat fortresses in our lives? We come into the truth. We step into the truth, into the reality of his word and what he says over us. Amen? Much of spiritual warfare... I will end with this statement that I made at the beginning. Much of spiritual warfare isn't wrestling with a demon. It's wrestling with demonic thinking. And we defeat demonic thinking by walking in the truth of his word. Amen. Let's stand together. I want everyone to just bow your head and close your eyes. And uh, I just hear the Holy Spirit wanting to do this. If, if you're in the room this morning and you're dealing with lofty things or you're dealing with um, speculations or maybe thoughts that you've had that sound like you, but you know deep down aren't you, I just... I want to pray over you this morning. So if, if that's you, I want you just to lift your hands to be able to receive. Father, I just pray over every person that is dealing with these issues, with these fortresses that have built themselves in their minds. God, I just declare over them the truth that sets them free. Father, I declare over them that they are loved, that they are powerful, I declare over them that, that uh, whatever it is that is lofty in their mind, I declare that those things submit to the authority of Jesus. And God, I pray that every stronghold would be broken by the divine weapons that you have given us, Jesus. And Father, that every person in this room dealing with those things, God, would walk in freedom. God, that they would walk in a peace that surpasses understanding, free from worry, free from fear, and free from anxiety, Jesus. Father, I pray and declare that those strongholds are broken down in the name of Jesus. God, that those lies that have been protected in their minds will be broken in the name of Jesus, and that they would be flooded with the truth. And that the truth would set us free. God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you, Jesus, that you are good. God, that you do not leave us as orphans. God, that you do not leave us to struggle with all of these things, God. But you have given us power to overcome all the wiles of the devil. And God, that we are victorious in you, Jesus. God, we honor you today. God, I pray that strength would be on every believer in this room. God, that we would walk in the authority that you have given us, Jesus, in every area of our life. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more messages like this or information about our church, please visit harmonychurchfamily.org.